Welcome, you are listening to the Overseas Life Redesign Podcast, where you'll hear fun, relaxed, and inspirational interviews with people who are really living the dream. I'm Dawn Fleming, an attorney turned alchemist, and your host for the show, coming to you from the tropical island paradise of Isla Mujeres, Mexico. Listen to conversations with courageous souls who stepped out of their comfort zone and designed a new way of life. They'll share their experiences, wisdom and offer practical steps you can take to redesign your life overseas. Listen and you'll believe if you can dream it, you can achieve it. Okay, I'm here today with Tanya Dryden and uh, we met through the Cancun Expats uh, Facebook group. And I'm uh, thrilled to be able to have her take the time today to tell us a little bit about her overseas life redesign. Welcome, Tanya. Hello, Dawn. <laughs> Thank you for being here, my dear. Thank you for inviting me. <laughs> <laughs> so through the chat, I know I discovered that you are British and right. now you're living in Cancun. So I guess a good place right. to start is, um, tell me, tell me how, a little bit about that journey. How did that all come about? Well, my journey overseas began 20 years ago, um, at the right young age of 26, back in 2000. Um, so uh, basically, what it, was, it was timing, and I think just saying yes at the right time. I, so back in 1999, I just bought my first home in the June. I certainly hadn't even entertained the idea of living overseas. I had a job. I was, I was doing okay. I was doing reasonably okay. Like I said, I was able to buy my first home when I was still 25. So anyway, long, long story short, I, I was made redundant, redundant in the uh, September of 99 or October of 99. And um, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And uh, I'd always already been in sales, or had always been in sales. Back in those days, we used to look for jobs in newspapers. And um, there was a, a, a tiny little ad the size of a postage stamp that said sales in Singapore. Now, this was the type of advertisement that I would never normally respond to. There was no mention of remuneration. And like I said, it was a tiny, tiny little ad. I don't know what possessed me to this day, um, but something made me call the number on that advertisement. And uh, I left a message. And uh, basically over a two-week period, um, these people, this, uh, this number, trying to reach me, and vice versa. Anyway, eventually, we, we, we made contact and uh, went in for an interview. Um, but Long story short, at the end of this interview, um, the guy that was interviewing me picked me up. And to, what, what made me decide to go for that? Um, I just felt what was the worst thing that could happen. Um, and could I handle it? I had a salary they were going to pay me, they were going to pay me accommodation, and they were going to pay my fine. So, worst thing, if it was horrible, I'd get on a plane and come back home again. Well, thankfully, in the first week of moving to Singapore, I absolutely loved it. And uh, like, throughout my career, I've always been very with, um, with great mentors. Um, and one of the things that I picked up from very early on is when you don't know what to do, is just do something. And so my way of dealing with grief, grief uh, was I needed new challenges. 
So even though I had a great lifestyle, I had a great job, I was even, and, and even though my, my mum had been ill, um, professionally, I was beginning to feel uh, stagnated. And so with my mum's passing, uh, like I say, I, I knew I needed to do something. And so I resigned from my job uh, and decided to take a, a break. I knew I would work again. And, uh, and I basically just started to put the feelers out. I ended up in Mexico because at the time when I put the feelers out, Mexico was the country with the company that came up with the best offer for me. So I ended up moving to Mexico, uh, Mexico City, in fact, um, in August 2014, so almost six years ago, where I lived and worked for a year. And then I, Mexico City really wasn't for me, but I did get what I wanted um, in terms of challenges. <laughs> it was incredibly challenging. I'd gone from living in Singapore, which is one of the safest, cleanest cities in the world where everything works, to Mexico City. Wow, um, that is well, a... A big change. I've been to Singapore before, so I, I know, and I've been to Mexico City, so I know exactly what you're talking about. I'm afraid you uh, cut out a little bit. It, it was my, I believe it was my internet. If you wouldn't mind, um, can we go back to Singapore for a moment before we go uh, forward on Mexico? I just wanted to ask you a couple of questions about that. So um, I understand you, uh, they paid for everything for you to, to go over and work in Singapore. And mm -hmm. what were you doing over there, Tanya? What did, what did you do for work? I joined a financial services brokerage. So I was working for a financial services company and I started right at the bottom as a cold caller, making appointments for the financial advisors to go out and see clients. Really? That's how I started out. And yeah, and, that, and I basically worked my way up to running teams, uh, hiring teams, developing teams until ultimately becoming a, a financial advisor when I... Wow. And so that little postage stamp size ad that you saw, that's what they were advertising for was, was basically? No, no. no. Well, so let me backtrack a little bit. Um, I can honestly tell you, I didn't have a clue what I was going out to do in Singapore. My family, my friends, everybody was absolutely convinced that I was being sold into <laughs> the sex trade. They, and you've got to remember back then, you know, it, 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 the world wasn't what it was today. You didn't have the, uh, the, the access to information like you've sure. today. To give you an idea of how naive I was at 26, I thought I was street smart, you know, living in London, working in London, everything else. But I'd never heard the term expat before. So okay. during this interview that I had in London, uh, from this ad, from this ad that I'd answered. Um, oh, okay, so the ad ad you you had an interview in London from the ad that you I had. had yes, I had okay. the interview in London. So during this interview, uh, the George Kelly is the name of the guy. So George uh, was telling me um, how much they're going to absolutely love me out in Singapore, and all I need to do is uh, mix with with expats and make appointments. Now. To me, like I said, I'd never heard the word expat before. What I thought was I needed to go and hang out with a bunch of old army dudes and make appointments for them like a doctor's surgery. Now, I'd always been in sales. And when I got made redundant, I wasn't sure I wanted to stay in sales. I really didn't know what I wanted to do. I just knew I needed to work because I'd got a mortgage, right? Right. Um, so, um, so, <laughs> so 
So when I arrived to Singapore, as I say, everybody was uh, was really worried. Thankfully, um, on my arrival into Singapore, you've been to Singapore. It's got the, the, the most amazing airport in the world. Oh, yeah. Happen. It's yeah. absolutely amazing. And uh, my accommodation was paid for. And I stayed in the beautiful five-star hotel, the Goodwood Park Hotel. Love it. Was sweet. It was fantastic. Um, but it wasn't until I actually started there that I realised, no, my appointment making was not with ex-army dudes hanging around. It was cold calling people uh, in various companies, you know, CEOs, MDs, vice presidents, whatever, but high le- like high level executives, basically, sure. to make appointments yeah. for them to see the advisors that I was working with. Okay. So, so once I realised that's what I was doing, it took me a couple of days. But oh my God, what have I done? Can I do this? Um, but thankfully, within that first week, I was uh, I was very good at what uh, what I was recruited to do. And I bet you were. I can I can see that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'd, I'd always been in sales, right? So that that definitely uh, benefited. It helped, right? probably why I got the job in the first place, not just because I thought I'd fit in, yeah, because I did have a record of sure. being successful in sales. So anyways, so yeah, so that's what I started off doing. Um, and uh, I was very, very, very fortunate. My immediate boss, a wonderful guy by the name of Don Graham, sat me down after three months of working in Singapore and said to me, Tanya, if you're going to be successful in this industry, you need to practice what you preach. So we sat down and we went through all my debts. Like any 26-year-old or most 26-year-old, I had lots of debts. I had store card debts. I had credit card debts. I had overdraft. Sure, I had the mortgage. That was a good debt. But, um, yeah, he basically sat me down and said, okay, so your goal is to become debt-free, apart from the mortgage, uh, within 12 months. And then I want you to start doing what we preach. I want you to start saving and investing for your future. Now, I didn't have to follow his advice and, and, and do what he said, but I did. And um, in this position, I, I, I'd never seen so much money. Um, I was, my, 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 my home back in the UK, I was able to rent it out. So mm-hmm. I had a mortgage of something like 300 quid 300 pounds um, mm-hmm. and I was renting out for 700 pounds so I had an income from that that wasn't going to uh, sustain me but with this company um, they paid my salary they paid my flights uh, and I got commissions on top sure uh, and accommodation as well so at, uh, at 26 it was like oh my god I had so much money I used to go out to bars drink them out of champagne I'd go to islands drink the islands out of champagne it was uh, it was truly truly ad fab and in spite of doing all this stuff, I was still able to become debt-free within nine months. And, um, and, and I did, as my, as my boss, Don, advised and, and started saving and investing. Well, good um, for you. That's, that's so important. I wish um, young people today would be getting that, that type of guidance. Um, in it's advice. massively, massively important. And, 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 and there's, the reason I, I, I mention that is because by doing what I did, it really enabled me to be in the position that I'm in now, which I'll get to. Mm-hmm. So, as I was saying... I mean, it just gives I, um, you so many more options, right? It, when you absolutely. don't have that hanging over your head, um, you're, just, you're, you're just freer. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Um, so I worked my way up 
uh, in Singapore, uh, as I say, starting out at the very bottom, ended up uh, developing teams, hiring teams. I was fortunate to work with some really good people. I worked with a great company who employed a, or hired, I should say, a life coach to work with all of us in senior management. I think this was around, gosh, maybe 2008, 2007, mm -hmm. 2008. Mm -hmm. I can't remember now. It was so long ago. But anyway, uh, I'm very, very fortunate to get to work with another fantastic mentor, a uh, wonderful lady by the name of Mary Barrett. And things that I learned with her are her. Um, I kind of started to realize that these were things that I've been doing anyway. I, I, I didn't really understand at that point much about uh, emotional intelligence or about uh, personal development. I used to be of the mindset, oh, personal development, that's the sad sector, people. Um, Self-help, that was the brand it was under. Self-help, yes. that Back, back in those, like in the early days, mm -hmm. um, you know, I used to think, oh, who'd want, who needs self-help? That's for the losers. You know, I really didn't, I didn't really understand <laughs> much about it at all. Sure. And, uh, yeah, so I was really, really lucky to get to work with Mary. And from the first day I met her, I had, like, light bulb moments. And so my growth continued in Singapore, along with the company. We did extremely well. And uh, it was a great life, great friends. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was, it was a great 14 years there. Yeah, and, so you uh, were there actually during the financial crash of 2008, yeah. correct? Yeah, I was there for two, I was there when the 9-11 happened, SARS happened, <laughs> GFC happened. Yeah, I've been through lots of ups and downs. <laughs> yeah, uh, what was that like um, there in Singapore? Because it, it was, or was it, it was mostly U.S. or, or were you impacted there too? Well, we still had, we still felt impacted, uh, you know, we still felt the impact However, um, in the industry that I'm in, whether markets are good or whether markets are bad, people still need advice. So everything can change, but nothing changes. If you don't have a plan financially, you still need a plan. If right. you've got a plan, you need even more help to make sure you're keeping on track with that plan if the markets are going That's down. Right. You know, if you've got all your money uh, stuck in, uh, like in one uh, asset class, for example, you might need some diversification. So the interesting fact is that the year of the global financial crisis, up till that point, that was the uh, most successful year with the company that I was working with at that time that we'd had up until that point. Because, as I say, people still need help, if not more so, if that makes sense. Yeah. No, it does. Yeah. So, yes, yeah, so we felt the impact for sure, but um, it wasn't detrimental in, in, in the environment that I was working for. In, in actual fact, it, uh, yeah, we, we had the best year up until that point. Uh, and things continued to grow, but that was our best year to that date. Yeah. So it was, um, yeah, so, so markets go up, markets go down. There'll be another crisis and there'll be another crisis. There'll be a war. There'll be another pandemic or another, you know, whatever. Stuff happens. Life throws you curveballs. Um, but, uh, you know, by starting to plan financially earlier, you know, the earlier you plan, the more you have in place and the more security you've got to weather the storms that life brings, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. <coughs> so, um, so you enjoyed living in Singapore, obviously. I mean, who wouldn't? It's an expensive place to live, but you uh, you sound like you, you did pretty well there. Were you uh, able to travel uh, back home to uh, England then on a regular basis? Did, did your family come see you? How was that aside from the professional side of, of your time in Singapore? 
Well, my mum came out to see me um, the first year, actually. She wanted to see what it was all about. And I was very, very fortunate that my mum did come out. Uh um, In that, so once she saw how I was living, saw my friends, saw how Singapore was, she knew how miserable I was in the winter Uh in the UK. I really did suffer from that seasonal depression, SAD, sad. I was a very sad person in the dark and the cold. Sure. Um, and, and I also used to be in a lot of pain. So as a very young, uh, I think I was about 12, maybe 12, 13, I was diagnosed with rheumatism. Mm. So I actually physically ache in cold weather. Sure. So even though I hadn't thought about living overseas, now that I was doing it and that my mum came out to see me and she see how happy I was, mm-hmm. um, she never, she, she, her thing was like, no, don't come back. You know, I love seeing you, but don't come back. And I was incredibly close with my mum. And actually my mum coming out to visit me, it really helped with the rest of my family. I mean, we were a big family, but we we're really only a close family, if that mm-hmm. kind of makes sense. Um, like, is it, like with my, my immediate family. So even though my dad's from one of 14 and my mum's from one of seven, we don't contact with the families for various reasons. So we're, it's just me, you know, my mum, my dad and my siblings. Uh-huh. And uh, so having my mum come out to see me, like I say, it really helped kind of um, sort of smooth everything with everybody else. So rather than keep getting asked when you're coming back, Tanya, when you're coming back, they were more supportive. They were very supportive of me, actually. Well, she gave you the stamp of approval, it sounds like. <laughs> she did. She did. But you know, my mum my mom really was, oh, my dad's also a wonderful person. They, they've got some great, well, mum's not around anymore, but uh, both of them have got a very inspiring story. They, they both had terrible, terrible childhoods, and I won't go into it, but not stuff of nightmares, and yet in spite of that, um, they turned out to be fantastic people. And my mum always used to say to me, you know, you can do anything you put your mind to. Uh, she used to say to me, you're stubborn, but that was a good thing because it meant that I would do what I, you know. So it was, uh, I, I was very, very fortunate to have those kind of things said to me, to, 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 that those, those seeds planted, I think, is the word. Yes. That, yeah. You don't realise it, it, it at the time. And it's certainly been, you know, uh, during the last 20 years, I would say, where I've learned things working with, working closely with Don, uh, who mentored me uh, for the first three and a half years that I was there in Singapore. And then again with Mary um, later on in my career. Um, and I started to learn more about, um, you know, the power of words and the power of, uh, of thoughts and so forth. And you start to realise, wow, I was really fortunate, Mum used to say a lot of stuff that would encourage me rather than put limiting beliefs. Yeah, it's, you're absolutely right about that. Um, and, and I had a similar experience. My, my dad didn't have a very good um, childhood. His father was an alcoholic. He was a high school dropout. But it's ironic. Um, I always remember him to giving me that positive messages as well. John, you can do anything you want to. John, you're a leader. And, and things like that. And I asked him actually before he passed one time, just out of curiosity, I said, Dad, you know, you, you really encourage me. You, I really have a strong, you know, self-worth because you encourage that in me. I, I said, why did you do that? Why did you, <laughs> like, how did you learn this, right? And, yeah. and he said, I, I, I said, why did you tell me I was a leader? And it was so funny. He just said, well, because you are. And <laughs> I just thought that was, it was an interesting 
I guess. No, and it's powerful. It's really, really powerful. Because the funny thing is, is my mum and dad are complete opposites. My, my dad, dad <laughs> my, and my and my dad's got his own inspirational story. I mean, he was freaking homeless from the age of 14 till 19. Mm-hmm. So, like, really, he, he turned his life around. I mean, my mum was a big uh, factor in that. But, um, you know, my dad's, my dad's more of a, the grass isn't necessarily greener on the other side. Right. <laughs> you know? so, 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 so having my mum around, especially going over to Singapore and making that big change, you know, that was... that. that that's something my dad wouldn't have done. Mm. You know, my dad's very much, my dad's never got on a plane before. Ah. Um, so, well, his mum couldn't wait to travel, you know. So it was, it was an inter- and they were together. Very interesting dynamic. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> totally opposite, a pair of them. Totally opposite. So conflicting in some ways, but, um, but, but both inspirational, yeah? Yeah, so, um, yeah. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> Awesome. Well, I'm going to take a quick break right here. And when we come back, we're going to go to Mexico. Okay. Okay. Isla Mujeres is a Caribbean jewel off the coast of Cancun. Castellito del Caribe warmly invites you to enjoy our spectacular oceanfront villa located in the heart of El Centro and a short walk to Playa Norte, which is ranked one of the top 10 beaches in the world. With an ocean view of crystal clear turquoise waters overlooking both the Caribbean and Cancun city skyline, we offer a fabulous location for you to enjoy all the peace and tranquility you're looking for on vacation, while also taking in all the excitement the island has to offer, with activities either in walking distance or a golf cart day excursion away. Please visit castellitocaribe.com www.castellitocaribe.com We look forward to seeing you soon. Integrity Vacation Property Management Trust, Truth, Results From buyer's representative services to rental market analysis, staging, marketing, and full-service property management, achieving your goals is our top priority. Visit our website at www.integrityvpm.com and get our free guide, Self-Manage or Hire, a property owner's checklist of issues to consider. Contact us for a free consultation to see if we can help you maximize the return on your investments. Integrity VPM, raising the bar in vacation property management. All right, I'm back with Tanya Dryden, and we're going to continue on with her overseas life redesign story. And we're going to talk about how you got from Singapore to Mexico. Okay. Well, after a wonderful life <laughs> uh, in Singapore, it's, you know, we all have our roller coasters, but yeah, it was a great time. Um, with my mum passing, it just felt like the universe had its hands on its hips saying, what more do I need to do to make you do something, to try something new? And my way of dealing with grief was I needed new challenges. And uh, so I decided to resign from my job. I took a break, a six month break. I didn't know where I wanted to go. I knew I would have to work again. I thought I would end up in Brazil, in actual fact, because I felt that um, I I, I, I travelled a lot when I was in Singapore. I used to travel all the time. That was my goal. That was my drive. That was my goal. I'd I'd go six weeks, but I need need an emergency holiday. Um, So so I I, I knew Asia a lot. I'd been out of this part of the world. I'd never been to Mexico, but I'd been to Brazil. I'd been to a couple of places. But I wanted to experience uh, more on this side of the world. I love traveling. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I always felt that when you're 
inner region, you get a better understanding of how the culture is. Like, so for example, in, in Asia, all the countries are different and they have different cultures, but there's a similarity. Sure. Like I feel like a real softness um, uh, with like the Asian culture. And so I wanted to experience more of what it was like over here. And um, so when I was putting the feelers out into, in terms of like, you know, various contacts, um, I was fortunate, I had a great reputation in the industry that I worked in. Um, so I had a lot of offers. And uh, yes, and, 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 I, and like I said, I actually thought I was going to end up in, in Brazil. So when I left Singapore, I decided to go to Portugal to immerse myself in Portuguese. Because although I know, I know that uh, Brazilian Portuguese is obviously spoken slightly different, but it's getting used to reading stuff and, and hearing things. And uh, I thought that would be a nice midway step. And it was whilst I was in Portugal that I had the job offer come through from Mexico City. And, and it was basically the best offer on the table at the time. Mm. So I decided to go with it, um, but I wasn't ready to start just then. It was the year of the World Cup and Mexico, like the Brits, are crazy about their football. Uh, as you call it soccer. Yes. <laughs> we call it football. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, so I thought, no, I don't want to be going over there, but it's all going to be crazy, uh, like crazy busy and everything else. So I thought, no, I'll, I'll wait till after the World Cup. I'll start in August. So I then moved down to Spain. I thought, okay, I've been learning Portuguese, but now I need to switch over and start learning Spanish. Spanish, right? <laughs> yeah. So um, start immersing myself in Spanish, and uh, well, that was uh, that was interesting. I didn't learn much at all, and uh, and uh, I arrived in uh, Mexico City on the first of August, two thousand fourteen, and uh, my job there was to build a team of twenty people. We recruited people that hardly spoke any English so it was definitely a challenge like I said I wanted challenges right. I got challenges I, I moved from Singapore to Mexico City which is opposite in absolutely every single way yes um, I, I couldn't speak the language um, this time that I was moving overseas I was going in on a uh, you know a senior a senior level whereas when I first uh, moved out uh, 14 years previously I went in as an underling you know I was on the on the bottom of the ladder kind of thing but when you go in as somebody senior uh, and particularly in a macho country like Mexico and there's this little blonde Brit girl um, you know telling people how to do things and trying to get things to uh, to work and it really was like going back in time there was no processes no procedures in place it was oh uh, it was very very challenging but I did it Dawn um, I don't know how I did it but I did it I, I, I've always been a big believer of where there's a will there's a way right um, if you want to communicate you'll find a way of communicating so I <laughs> You know, I, I remembered back in the days when I was in Singapore, I, I used to think I was busy if I had a couple of interviews in the afternoon, like when I was doing, when I was hiring uh, new members for my team. But here in Mexico, um, I'm sure for those of us that live out here, we're very familiar with, uh, um, <laughs> hang on, let me try and word this. Uh, we know the aorita and, and timings can be a little fluid. Mm -hmm. um, commitment can be a little fluid. So I quickly learned that uh, when I was conducting interviews in Mexico City, 
not just to have you know a couple on in the afternoon and kind of schedule it was to basically block interviews so i would have 20 people in back to back um because not all not everybody would turn up and it would be the same when you come to actually offering someone a position not everyone would turn up so when you move somewhere you, you you have a choice you can keep banging your head against the wall so why are they doing this why is it not working like it used to work in singapore why is everything so challenging or you find a way to work with it right um, and, uh, and and that's what happened I, I just basically found a way to work with it okay so i know i need to add x amount of people i know that x amount of people quite often don't show up so i just need to get in as many people <laughs> as possible um because it, to make use of the time because you know yourself when you've scheduled meetings and someone cancels those meetings that time could have been used to do something else and it can really like uh, disrupt your day sure um, so yeah so that was uh, it was a very very challenging time and um, and basically I, I worked up there for a year uh, mexico city was not uh, was not really the place for me i'm a beach person i, I mentioned earlier you know as, as a kid I, I was diagnosed with rheumatism and i still suffer with the cold so Mexico City could get down to five. Yeah, degrees. it can get very cold. I was there in January um, a couple of years ago, and I was surprised how cold it was. I think I think the year that I was there, I think it was the wettest year. It seemed to rain all the time, mm. um, heavy pollution as well. Um, so when yeah. I I did what I was asked to do, I got in the team, I got things going. Um, but then I decided to resign. It was not for me. I wasn't enjoying Mexico City and uh, didn't really know what I wanted to do, Dawn. So I thought, well, I'm, I know I need the beach. So I came down to Cancun. Okay. And uh, uh, shortly after arriving in Cancun, the company had asked me, would I carry on consulting for them? And I was like, yeah, okay, well, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Okay, let, let me see. And then I basically I moved down to, to Cancun exactly one year after arriving in Mexico City. So 1st of August, 2015. And um, shortly after being in, in, in Mexico City, a, a dear, dear friend of mine was sick already back in Singapore, uh, took a turn for the worse and I flew out there and sadly she passed. And uh, it, was, it, was, it was just very traumatic. I came back and I was really quite traumatized. Uh -huh. And um, it was, uh, it was, it was uh, yeah, it was just, it was a very tough time for me. And um, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And I was very fortunate. I had a, a good girlfriend come down to see me and she was like, right, Tanya, come on, you always tell me this stuff. Let's get back to basics. What are your goals? And it's like, all oh, right, yeah, well, you know. Nice. Yeah, and it was good. It was, it was a good reminder. It was like, well, you know, I've always had two major life goals. And one was to work because I want to and not because I have to. Mm -hmm. And the other one was to live by the beach. And it was like a light bulb moment. It was like, <laughs> hang on a minute. I live by the beach. Because I did, I lived in the hotel zone. And I don't need to work. Nice. I've got plenty of money. Um, and so I decided, right, well, I'm going to retire. <laughs> so I did at the ripe old age of 42. So that's, that, that's what brought me down to Mexico. And that's what brought me down to Cancun. I was in Cancun for, a, for three and a half years. Um, and, uh, and, and now I'm down in Playa. And I've been down here for about a year and a half now. Uh -huh. um, and then a couple of years ago, uh, as much as retirement was good for, for a while, it, uh, it, uh, I, I was losing my sense of purpose. I, I, you know, it's, um, it's, uh, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the six emotional needs, but my, yes. my contribution, my significance and my connections were really lacking. Sure. And uh, so it was like, you know, I kind of think, well, at least do something, what am I going to do? 
And I was like, go back to what you know, Tanya. Do what you love doing. And I liked helping people. Mm. And uh, so, I, I, you know, I was really fortunate to be able to retire at 42. So now what I'm doing is I'm basically helping people do what I did in terms of reaching Wonderful. Yeah. So that's my story. So, <laughs> are you affiliated with a, a company at all? Or or yes. you? how do you? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So yeah, you still so I have a really, license and you still, um, do you work just, do you have a license in Mexico or how does, how does the licensing work um, with something like, like what you're doing? Yeah, well, it, it, there, there are, you've got licensing uh, restrictions, obviously, you can, certain people you can, you can provide to and certain people you can't do. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with Oxford International and um, so the people I can help down here who which is great, is Mexicans. I can definitely help Mexicans. Okay. So I'm licensed to, to practice and sell to Mexicans. Um, and uh, expats, uh, but there are certain expats. So, for example, there are limitations. I've got some things I can help uh, U.S. citizens with, but not all things. Okay. Um, so, so predominantly, like the, my ideal uh, clients, if you like, are uh, European expats, South American expats, uh, Canadian expats, pretty much most people apart from America. Okay. Well, <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Security uh, exchange yeah, commission is, is not yeah. easy to deal with. Yeah, it, it's to do with various licensing and so forth. But uh, no, I love what I do. It, it gives me my sense of purpose. Um, I'm doing what I want, when I want. I work because I want to and not because I have to. We're going through a terrible time right now. And because of, you know, following the advice from my boss way back, uh, what, 20 years ago, um, right. you know, to save and invest. And uh, it, it, it stood me in good stead. And, uh, and, and you know, we've all taken, uh, you know, we've all been impacted at the moment. But um, I'm, I'm very, very fortunate, Dawn, I, you know, and I really realise that. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, well, it's wonderful that uh, you, you aren't restricted to just a certain uh, country's uh, citizens that you have that broad of a um, market available to you um, because that's not true with all professions. Like uh, one of the, the gals I interviewed um, for a previous podcast is a therapist. And so she's licensed in uh, one state and then she got a license in a second state. But I mean, you know, she's other than that, um, those are really the, the only two markets she's able to serve. Um, yeah. So, you know, licensing can get in the way. Uh, absolutely. Certain yeah, things. absolutely. So you're fortunate absolutely. to to be yeah. able to do that. So, uh, so obviously we're in a, a global financial upheaval right now. We talked about uh, 2008, of course, but now this um, is impacting everyone everywhere. And um, what what uh, what's uh, Tanya's prediction on on how this uh, how this will will land? Um, oh, I don't want to give predictions. <laughs> There's lots of opinions out there at the moment. Lots and lots of opinions. Nobody knows. But markets do go up. Markets do go down. Yes, this, these are unprecedented, unprecedented times uh, in the fact that we're this global shutdown. But it's not unprecedented in terms of crisis. Sure. Um, and the market, you know, the, the world will recover. That, that's, what, that's my opinion. <laughs> you know, the world yeah. will keep turning. People will still need to make money. People will still need to, to, to work. And, and so, you know, we're still going through that whole um, adaption process right now. But as a, you know, as a, as, a, as a species, humans, we are very, very resilient and we are survivors. It's in our DNA. Mm -hmm. So whatever is going on, 
we will find a way to adapt to be able to survive and move forward. And that's exactly what happens with markets. They find a way to adapt and survive and so they go down for a bit and blah, blah, and so on. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it, the, the world keeps on turning and uh, money will still, uh, you know, be made and lost, you know, sure, sure. and made again and, and, and so on. So, yeah. Well, and, and oftentimes it, it's uh, out of crisis that um, companies are, are, new companies arise, right, and, and take advantage of, because there's always opportunity. Wherever there's decline, there's always opportunity. Exactly. exactly. You know, it's really interesting you say that. So, for example, in my business, I've always um, conducted meetings uh, with prospective clients face to face. Well, we can't do that at the moment. Right. So the positive for me in my industry, uh, what's come out of it is, is I no longer have to physically see you. Right. I can now do it digitally and I can now digitally sign things. So, that, so, so the industry is adapting already and these things will happen. You know, I've seen a, a lot of um, uh, things on, 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 on YouTube with um, whether it's uh, uh, thing I look at a lot is uh, stuff to get rid of uh, joint aches. I should have seen the chiropractor before this lockdown. Right. So I'm constantly on YouTube looking at things to how to get rid of these joint pains and so on. So um, people are finding different ways of connecting with their audiences to drive up their businesses. So yeah. it's, um, we're just at the moment we're still going through that whole adaptation process. The, 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 you know, we've gone through the shock. Some of us are still reeling from the shock of, of this, yes. uh, what's been going on. But we're now going through the, um, yeah, it's, it's an adaption process. Yeah, um, it's interesting. So I was just, uh, we were just reading some, an art- a couple of articles this morning um, that, you know, there's a bit of denial still going on that, you know, oh, no, everything's just going to go back to normal. And I, my husband and I really don't feel that that's the case. It's, it, this uh, is going to, to change some things um, long term that yeah. uh, will be different. And, and you gave a perfect example. I think a lot of the remote work, uh, the remote communication, uh, we're going to be, it's been around for quite some time, but only now because of this, is it really being utilized? Yeah, uh, no, exactly. Exactly. You know, you know, a lot of the business travel was because people needed to go out and see their clients so they yeah. could get their clients a sign on the dotted line. Well, they can't do that. So yeah. now, now they're being able to uh, right. sign documents and, 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 and uh, officiate things without seeing people physically. So um, they, it, it's just, yeah, they're learning to adapt. They're, mm-hmm. they're learning to adapt, you know. Pe- yeah, you talk about people being in denial about everything, uh, you know, we'll just go back to normal. The thing is, is the world is always being evolving. We're always going to be changing. What's normal or what was normal for us? When I spoke at the very beginning of this interview about how I, I ended up being uh, going out to Singapore was I answered an advertisement in the Evening Standard, a, a newspaper. Right. Who uses newspapers to look for jobs anymore? Right. right. So, 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 so it wasn't a pandemic or crisis that changed that no. type of business, but it changed anyway. So, so yes, it's, 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 it's not nice what's going on, um, but are, were these changes inevitable anyway? Maybe. I, I, yes. I don't know. It's, we've just it, so just we accelerated will them. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. I think it's perceptive. I think it's a lot of way, a lot of how you look at things. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure we all have our wobbly moments and that's fine. But, um, you know, the, the world is always changing, right? It will always change. You just mm-hmm. got to find a way to change with it. Adapt. Adaption. Yeah. That's key. Yeah. I love it. Well, those are uh, some some wise words for sure. I love what you have shared today. It's uh, it's 
wow, what an amazing journey you've had. Very inspirational. And I think too, um, I was just sort of laughing about your Mexico experience. I tell people all the time, be careful what you wish for. And so you want a dramatic change. You got it, sister. <laughs> I was exactly, I wanted something completely opposite. I wanted challenges. Oh I just have such a visual of that because like I said, I've been to both places and I, I can just yeah. imagine. But, uh, <laughs> at any rate, well, before we wrap up, I always like to end with this question. Is, is there anything that I didn't ask you that uh, you want to want to share before we uh, wrap up? I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> no, that's okay. If you know, that's fine. It, sometimes people do have, have something that, you know, they, they want to uh, say at the end. So I always want to. Okay, okay. No, I do. Okay. So the only thing okay. I would say is, okay, so this is what I would say. So what, what has uh, something you were saying earlier, but, um, did moving overseas change my life? 150% by moving overseas, by saying yes, um, just feeling the fear and do it anyway. That wonderful book by Susan Jeffers, like yes. I really practiced that, you know, that's been a great guy for me. And it was just saying yes. Uh, some of you don't know what, just, just go with it. What's the worst that can happen? Um, and it just, it, you know, by doing that, I met people and continue to meet people from so many different walks of life that I would never in a billion years have met had I never left the UK. And by leaving the UK and having lived and worked in Singapore and now here in Mexico, um, it just totally changes your perception and your perspective on things. And it just broadens your horizon. It broadens the amount of co uh, connections that you make. And, you know, the age old connect, uh, the age old saying connections, connections, everything is connections. There's so much truth in that. Um, and having that global reach now, um, it's just, uh, it, it really has made an amazing impact on my life. Had I not moved to Singapore, when I was 26, I would not be in the position that I am in now. Wow. That's awesome. What a, what a great story and a great life. Thank you so much for being here today, Tanya. I really, I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for listening to me and having me on your show. <laughs> this episode of the Overseas Life Redesign podcast was brought to you by our sponsors. Thanks for tuning in. Did you love this episode of the Overseas Life Redesign podcast? Then please subscribe to our show and leave us a nice review. It's very much appreciated. We invite you to visit www.overseasliferedesign.com. We'd also love for you to become part of our OLR community on Facebook. Thank you for listening.